Good morning. When I was um, preparing this talk, I began by reading the chapter, and my initial thoughts were that it was about food sacrificed to idols, because I'd been working on an essay in 1 and 2 Corinthians, and that was the issue that was prominent in the Corinthian church. And so I thought, great, I know all about this. I've got this. And then I started doing my research, and I found out I was wrong. <laughs> and that the chapter was not about food sacrifice to idols at all. I'd made an assumption about what I was reading, and it turns out that my mistake is actually really relevant to what we're talking about today, to what chapter 14 of Romans is about. Because it's about how we, as the people of God, have different opinions about all sorts of things. So we're continuing our walk through Romans and uh, Paul is writing this letter to all the Christians who lived in Rome, so the church in Rome. This is a letter to us. And to quickly remind us where we've been, Romans 1 to 3, Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save us. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and need a saviour. And then he goes on to talk about salvation as being made right with God. And it's only through Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus, that makes us right. Then in chapter 6, Paul talks about the Old Testament and the Old Law and then about the grace of God, the mercy of God, which is just unconditional love given to us because we don't deserve it. And then in chapter 7, he shows us that just because people don't believe, it doesn't change God's plan to save us. So after Paul establishes the foundation of our faith, he then goes on to talk about how we live as Christians. And in chapter 12, Caleb talked about how we're called to love one another. And then in Romans 13, Simon last week talked about how we are to live in a society as Christians and be responsible. So, to chapter 14, which begins with these words, Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. And I think that's a very confronting statement to say that somebody's faith is weak. But this is how he begins the chapter. And so, I think uh, the first question that a lot of us would say, well, is my faith weak? Or do I have strong faith? And more importantly for this chapter, as you look around us as the people of God, who would you say has weak faith and who would you say has strong faith? Because how do we know the believers to accept if we haven't made a judgment that they have a weak faith? Paul is speaking to the church about how we treat each other because there were divisions in the church at Rome, differences of opinion about how to honour God. Now these are not differences of opinion about salvation, about having to earn your salvation or whether it's a free gift. They're not arguments about who Jesus is as Lord and Saviour. These are arguments about how you go about living your life in order to honour God. 
And some people said that it was more spiritual to be a vegetarian. And some argued that there were other days that should be celebrated as holy apart from the Sabbath. Now I think when we look at these issues, we think they're pretty silly. And we sort of wonder why would anyone argue about silly things like that. But these issues were very serious to the people at the time. So I don't know if you remember the 70s, and of course some of you can't remember the 70s because you weren't born then. <laughs> but the hippie movement was sweeping the world and it was common for, for men to have long hair, much longer than Caleb's before he got it cut. And this was seen as being a huge issue at the time. If you wanted to get into Singapore, the country Singapore, you actually, if you were a man and you had long hair, you had to get your hair cut before they would let you into, the, into their country. That was how serious they viewed long hair on men. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. And so some Christians actually agreed with this. They agreed that long hair on men was not right. That long hair, women could have long hair, but not on men. And I don't think this is an issue for us today, but at the time, this was a real issue in the church. And so for men, they had to decide whether or not they could have grow their hair long or not. And there was also a time in the church when guitars were seen to be not appropriate for worship. You couldn't have them in a, in a Christian service. A guitar was something that just wasn't Christian. And that was a very serious issue at the time, but of course we don't think that now. So you can see these are the sort of issues that change over time. They seem very important to us when we're caught up in it, but somehow with the passage of time they just become irrelevant. So Paul is talking about these types of divisions that happen in churches because people have different opinions about all sorts of things. And we all see things in different ways because we've all got different life experiences. We all read scripture and we bring our own understanding to it as I did when I first read the chapter. The problem is not that we have opinions. The problem is when we try to impose our opinions on others. And that was what was happening in the church at Rome. And Paul addresses this issue by talking about those who have weak faith and those who have strong faith. So let's start by looking at what Paul means by believers who have weak faith. So the first issue was the believers who, who said it's not right to eat meat and it's not right to drink wine. And that's in verse 2 and verse 21 of chapter 14. Now these believers had the opinion and they held it very strongly that it was wrong to eat meat or drink wine and so they chose to honour God by not eating either of those types of foods. Now, Paul makes it very clear that he does not agree with this opinion. In verse 14 he says, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. So this is a very important point in this chapter. Paul, who, if you remember, was a Pharisee, he knew the Old Testament backwards and frontwards, and he was 
very fervent in obeying those laws. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he became a believer in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Now Paul had lived his whole life under a system of laws that set out what he ate, how he dressed, when he worshipped, when he fasted. It was very well ordered and very disciplined. And all those disciplines were designed to keep God at the forefront of your life. Because everywhere you looked, even in your clothes or the food you ate, you saw the influence of God in your life. And you could see it in the influence of other people who were following God. When Jesus came, he said that he fulfilled all those laws. In other words, he said that everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And he accomplished what the law could not accomplish for us, which is that he reconciled us to God through his death and resurrection. And also, Jesus, when he spoke about the law, he said that it was very much based on what we do, but that it also is about what motivates us. And he brought it to a much more intense level of understanding how to obey God in the law. Because we can do things that look good to others, but if our heart is not right, then what we're doing is not right. So Paul makes it clear in his letter to Romans that the law was useful in pointing to Jesus, but the law itself could not save us. It's only faith in Jesus. And Paul knew that what motivates us is just as important as what we do. And he recognises that those believers, the ones he calls weak in faith, he recognises that they are not eating meat or drinking wine because they are trying to honour God in the way they live. They're not trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to live out a life that gives glory to God. Paul does not agree with this, but he does not criticise them. He doesn't say, you're not believers. He doesn't say, you don't know Jesus as Lord. He doesn't question their faith at all. He simply says that their faith is weak. And further, he says that they need to be honoured in what they are doing. Now remember, Paul doesn't agree with this, but he's telling the people who are strong in faith, honour these people because they are trying to honour God. And the strong in faith are those believers who feel free to eat or drink anything. And this doesn't mean that they would get drunk, because Paul is quite clear that drunkenness is ungodly behaviour. But he tells the strong in faith to be respectful to the weak in faith. In verse 14, Paul says... If another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Being strong in faith is of no benefit whatsoever if we act without love for our sisters and brothers in Christ. In verse 13, Paul says, So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. 
So Paul is using weak and strong in faith to describe a believer's knowledge of God. So Paul didn't agree with the opinion of the weak in faith because they lacked the knowledge about their freedom in Christ. They knew God and they were seeking to honour him, but there was something lacking in how they understood what God wanted from them. The strong in faith had a fuller appreciation of what God wanted. They had a fuller appreciation of the liberty that Christ gives us in our lives and, importantly, and importantly, oh, he's gone off. <laughs> Keep going. And importantly, what was I talking about? Somebody tell me. <laughs> importantly, they weren't taking that liberty uh, in vain. They weren't misusing that liberty because otherwise Paul would have um, come down and, and corrected them. So it's a very interesting difference between weak and strong in faith. It's about our understanding of God and it's something that grows over time. It's not necessarily that if you've known God for a very long time you're going to be wiser in God's ways because it also depends on how much we apply ourselves. But it also is simply a gift from God. The weak and the strong are both trying to honour our God, but the way they're behaving is different. So for me, this chapter is really about humility. Because there's really nothing that we can take credit for. It all comes from God. Whether I have a weak faith or a strong faith, it's all a gift from God. I, can, I can't really will to have more faith. I can get up in the morning and decide, Lord, I want to honour you and, and, and you know, show your glory today, but ultimately it's God who enables me to do that. It's God who gives me the strength, God who gives me the ability to be able to do that. All of it comes from God. And divisions and arguments in churches often come from our pride. They come from each one of us thinking that we're right. And Paul is trying to make it clear to the Romans that there's an obligation on all of us to stop judging each other. To not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And to realise that everything we are, everything, it's a gift from God. So back to the beginning, Paul begins Romans 14.1 with, Accept other believers... Don't argue with them about what you think is right or wrong. And he says it again in Romans 15:1. Those who are strong in faith are to bear with the failings of the weak. And he says it again in Romans 15:7. Therefore accept each other as Christ has accepted you. Accept each other as Christ has accepted you. This is what we come back to the realization that we're not worthy. We're not worthy of God's love. We don't have a ground to stand on. Yet Jesus, who was the word at the beginning, who is amazing, is unconditional, embracing powerful love, he welcomes us, he embraces us, he accepts us. Jesus, who is pure and holy, accepts the filthy, the grubby, the shameful, the guilty, the lost, the broken. 
This is our example. So we don't have these same issues in our church today. But we do have differences of opinions over lots of things. Now, maybe it's about whether or not it's right to get a tattoo. Or it could be about video games and how destructive some people think they are. Or it could be about certain movies that they're not appropriate for Christians to watch. Or it could be about the songs we sing in church and the way we sing them. Or it could be about politics. Refugees, global warming. It could be about anything. We could have differences of opinions. And Paul says that each one of us needs to do what we believe is right. If we think something is wrong and we do it, then we condemn ourselves. So it's, it's not that our opinions are the way to determine how we, how we live our lives because we must always come under the authority of God and we need to learn God's ways, to be sensitive to the leading, the correction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we never want our hearts to become hard, but we always want to be open to God and to seek to, to have that motivation to honour him in everything that we're doing. And it is important to understand that there are lots of clear guidelines in the Bible about what to do. Paul has lots of lists of do's and lots of lists of don'ts. And all of those are models for how we are to behave. But despite all that guidance, we still have differences of opinions in churches. So a personal example for me is about preaching. Now some Christians who are very committed to the Lord and who know their Bible really well are convinced that it's wrong for me to do what I'm doing today, to preach to a mixed group, to preach to men. It's all right for me to preach to other women, but not to preach to men. And there are lots of scholarly interpretations that confirm this view. So they would see me here today as being disobedient to the word of God. So for me, this is an issue that I need to address. If I believed, as they do, that it was wrong for me to preach to men, and I did it, then I would be condemning myself. I've studied the cases for and against women preaching, and obviously, I'll come to the conclusion that I think it's okay for a woman to preach to a mixed group of people. And my sisters and brothers in Christ who don't agree with my opinion, well, they're valuable to me because it makes me stop and assess what I'm doing. Because I don't want to be doing anything that doesn't honour God. And some Christians will share their opinion with me because they care for me. They're doing it out of love. And it is often the way that people express these opinions mean whether or not it's accepted or not. So we need to think about the words that we use and the expressions that we use. We all have opinions about a range of ideas and we usually come to that decision after some thinking. So we tend to think that we're right. It's natural. And we can learn to express those opinions in a way that allows for somebody else to have a different opinion. And if we do it in that way, then we allow all of the different opinions to be able to come to the surface. We give space for people to express how they feel 
And so we all learn over one another. So this is where the conflict was coming from in the Roman church. The people who were restricting what they ate, they were proud of it and they were criticising the people who weren't. The people who were eating everything were proud of it and were criticising the people who restricted what they ate. They were both trying to honour God, but they were doing it in different ways. So we don't want these sort of divisions to happen in our church. And Paul says that we need to guard against this and see that each person is trying to honour God as they behave because ultimately it's God who judges us. It's not my brother or sister in Christ. It's God who will I have to stand before and say whether or not what I am doing today is honouring of him. When we love each other as Christ loves us, we can have our own opinions and we can enjoy the opinions of other people. We don't always have to prove that we're right. And in this way, we can build each other up instead of tearing each other down. In verse 19, Paul says, Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Our differences, they don't have to divide us as each one of us just tries to live to give glory to God. So I think chapter 14 is telling us that we need to do what leads to peace and that we always need to be looked to mutually encourage each other's faith. And so I say amen to Romans 14. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you for all the teaching in there that is about you and about how to live a life that brings you glory. So, Father, we ask that you help us in all we do. Help us to be sensitive to our leading. Help us to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And help us to encourage each other for a life that will glorify God. In Jesus' name. Amen.